0: If you're frustrated with constantly being bloated and nothing seems to help, this episode is for you. Today we're diving into four causes of bloating that are gut related and three causes of bloating that are actually hormone related. So you don't wanna miss this episode. Stay tuned to learn exactly what is causing your bloating and how to deal with it. You're listening to the Fix Your Gut Podcast. A podcast that empowers you to understand why you have gut issues and what to do about it. After over 20 years of suffering with IBS, migraines and chronic fatigue, I decided to take matters into my own hands and I became a nutritionist so I could not only heal myself but heal others that were struggling like me. Odds are you're here because you're stuck. Your doctor couldn't help and you've already tried cutting out foods and probiotics. So now what? you don't have to suffer anymore you can heal your gut we're going to go beyond diet and supplements to empower you with the knowledge you need to achieve deep lasting healing and finally enjoy food again and get your life back for those of you who aren't familiar with the microbiome i'm going to do a super quick intro with just the basics to help you understand how your gut bacteria, the bacteria that live in your gut, which is called your microbiome, and it actually includes um, bacteria, yeast, viruses, and parasites, all kinds of critters, how they impact your bloating and digestion in general. And then we're going to dive into more specifics on it, but I'll try to keep it super easy to understand. So don't worry, it won't get too sciencey. The microbiome is a huge part of your body. It actually, there is more microbial cells and critters living in your gut than there are human cells in your body. And that's why it has such a huge impact, not only on your digestive health, but also on your mental health, your hormones, your energy, your like just everything in your body. But today we're focusing on bloating and how the bacteria, we'll just say bacteria for keeping it simple, how they can cause bloating and what changes in your gut bacteria can trigger bloating. So first thing you need to know is we need to keep a healthy balance of these microbes. And there's so many things in our life that can easily cause an imbalance in these microbes in our gut. Now, The gut microbiome is always shifting as well. It's like an ecosystem in nature. It can shift, um, especially if you've made a major diet change, it can shift completely in as little as three days. So if you decided to go gluten-free, your microbiome would shift completely in as little as three days. That's so pretty interesting stuff. So it's very sensitive to any changes, both external and internal. So that includes not only your diet, but also your stress levels, your environment, um, your sleep schedules, your routines, so many things, as well as even like medications as well. And so we have to understand that everything we do or don't do is going to impact our gut microbiome or bacteria in there. And that can potentially cause bloating. So let's look at why that might be. So the goal is to have a healthy balance of more healthy bacteria, and less inflammatory, aka bad bacteria, so to speak. And how do we do this? So the main goal with this is we need to be pooping regularly so that means at least once a day ideally um, two or three times per day and it needs to be effortless it needs to be um, you know painless it needs to be just quick and efficient and uh, you're not seeing things like oily stools or undigested food If any of these things are an issue for you or you can go, but you feel like it's not complete, technically it's still constipation and there's something going on in there that is triggering that inflammation and um, the reason why you can't go that easily. So That needs to be addressed because constipation itself can cause a bacteria imbalance or overgrowth in the gut because your food is sitting in there and fermenting longer than it should be. Now, other things that impact it, um, your diet. Obviously, your diet is a huge impact on your microbiome. And we look specifically at how much fiber are you getting? Fiber and antioxidants are the two big ones that feed the healthy bacteria in our gut. And things that feed unhealthy bacteria are anything that's typically not a healthy food, right? So processed foods, foods high in starch and sugar and full of chemicals and artificial colors and sweeteners. Your body likes natural foods that are high in fiber and high in antioxidants. So we're talking about things like whole grains, fruits and vegetables, beans and lentils, nuts and seeds. And things that are high in antioxidants are usually bright or dark. So dark leafy greens, orange foods like carrots and peppers and sweet potatoes and squash, dark berries, all kinds of berries. These things all feed your healthy gut bacteria and make it more likely that you're gonna have a healthy balance in there. And that will not only allow you to have optimal bowel movements, but also less bloating. So we can easily develop what's called dysbiosis. So this imbalance of our gut microbes or bacteria to keep it simple. And when that happens, we're more likely to get bloating um, chronically and easily from many things. And we're gonna talk about why that is. So first off, One of the things that can cause a gut bacteria imbalance is low stomach acid. Low stomach acid is very common, um, especially, obviously, if you're taking antacid medications, uh, but also if you're chronically stressed or burnt out. When your body is in that fight or flight stress response, everything else shuts down. Digestion shuts down. You're not producing stomach acid. Your body is not able to do the things they need to or the way they need to be done. So your body's saying, look, we're in survival mode, we have to run from danger and save our life, so digestion is not important right now. That means low stomach acid, but we need that acid, right? That acid is there not only to help digest our food, but also to act as a protective barrier or mechanism to prevent bacteria from growing out of control or growing in the wrong area. Most of our gut bacteria should be in our lower gut, so our large intestine and colon, And there is a condition called SIBO, which I have talked about before on the podcast. We're not going to dive into today, but just knowing that SIBO is is an instance where it's not necessarily bad bacteria. It's usually actually normal or good bacteria, but it's in the wrong spot. There's too much in the wrong spot in your small intestine, and it shouldn't be there. The small intestine is where digestion and absorption takes place. So we need to have fairly low numbers of bacteria. So having low stomach acid can set you up for bacterial imbalances, infections, um, more easily get things like food poisoning, and then also develop things like SIBO. So once you have this imbalance, and before I go into that, actually, I do want to say that last thing here is stress. So stress contributes to bacterial imbalances and things like IBS and bloating by not only shutting down digestion, so that in itself will cause bloating, right? Because your body's like, I don't know what to do with this food. I can't do the normal digestive processes because I'm putting all my energy into survival and running away. So I don't know what to do with this food. I'm just going to shut it down and that's that's going to cause bloating, right? Because the food's just sitting there not not being digested. Low stomach acid, which you talked about, which is also linked to stress. And the final thing here is Stress itself or being in that constant fight or flight nervous system state directly causes imbalance in your gut microbiome. It promotes the growth of less healthy or more inflammatory bacteria and prevents healthy bacteria from growing. So knowing all of that, we can easily become bloated when we are chronically stressed. Obviously, we can't avoid stress, but we can Build our lifestyles in a way that we're not rushing around as much, or maybe we take on less commitments, or maybe we delegate or ask people for help. We also are going to make time for activities and things that allow us to be in a more relaxed or parasympathetic nervous system state. So that means walking in nature, taking a few deep breaths, maybe doing some meditating and some exercise whatever works for you to get you to that relaxed state. We need to build that into your day not just, you know, once a week, your yoga class or once a week you do meditation. That's great. But if you're dealing with chronic bloating, you need to build these things into your day. And even in, you know, small five minute increments, that's going to make a huge difference in your bloating. And so when it comes to this bacteria, so how is the bacteria itself causing bloating? So, bacteria especially more inflammatory or bad bacteria like to take fiber and ferment it and that causes gas bloating some people get um, diarrhea or constipation from this as well so you may notice if you're someone who's reacting to a lot of foods that are high in fiber or things called FODMAPs these are um, fermentable fibers in foods that that could be the reason why. It could be your gut bacteria is taking these foods and fermenting them more than it should be, causing a lot of gas and bloating and indigestion. So if you feel like there's pretty much like no foods that you can eat that are safe, especially if they are high FODMAP foods or foods that are just notoriously high in fiber, so grains and beans and lentils and um I'm trying to think what else Um, asparagus and broccoli and onion and garlic these are all things that are higher in what's called FODMAPs or fermentable carbs and things that are likely to cause problems for you if you have this bacterial imbalance not to say that you should avoid these foods right so yes some people start these low FODMAP diets or other diets where they find that their bloating goes away when they're on these restrictive diets, because obviously you're removing the source of what the bacteria are taking and fermenting, right? So if you cut out the source of fermentation for the bacteria, the fibers, of course, you are going to have less bloating, but you need fiber. Fiber is crucial for your gut health. So that's the catch 22 there. So what we need to do instead of Going on a strict diet and avoiding these foods we need to get to the underlying problem and that is correcting your gut bacteria and balancing that out by working with a practitioner like myself and only then will you be able to tolerate more of these high fiber foods that are so crucial for gut healing on my gut healing journey i had tried everything from the extreme gut healing diets and cleanses handfuls of supplements and i still was struggling with symptoms after decades of trying to heal. I wish someone had told me earlier that it was fear that was keeping me stuck. Let me explain a few years back. I had hit a really low point and I had made a few newer friends who were into more kind of woo woo things like meditation, breath work, Qigong and mindfulness practices, stuff that as a sciencey person, I used to think was just complete baloney, but. There is science to it, and the more I hung out with them and started to open my mind to trying some of these practices and the more I started to regularly incorporate them into my daily routine, the better I felt. It was actually helping me heal And my energy came back, my gut got better, I started tolerating more foods, had less bloating, I even started sleeping better, I was happier and way less anxious. I started to feel like myself again for the first time in maybe decades. But looking back now, I realized the real reason I was stuck with my gut healing for so long was because my body was stuck in survival mode. The burnout that I had put myself through between school and working three jobs and starting a business and like a lot of other significant life changes caused real physical changes in my gut, including my gut microbiome. And yes, that needed to be addressed. So you know, doing all the things with diet and supplements, but doing that alone just wasn't enough for me to feel better in order to really heal, I had to add on those daily healthy habits and nervous system practices that allowed me to shift my body out of a survival mode and into what I call a rest and digest or healing state. And that is where the magic happened. From there, my healing took off and I have been feeling so much better than I ever had before. And it happened quite quickly too. So I want to share my story to highlight a truth that many other gut healing practitioners just simply don't address that gut healing is not as simple as just fixating on healing the gut itself with diet and supplements. It actually requires a whole mind-body approach. And the thing is that gut healing, you know, it requires healthy habits and actual long-term sustainable change. It's not meant to be a short-term diet cleanse or reset and building these healthy habits actually takes time and like other habits, it can be hard, right? So, this is the number one reason that people get stuck and frustrated with gut healing because change is hard and we have to change quite a bit of our habits and lifestyle. So, this is when it came to me that, you know, doing sessions one on one with people wasn't quite enough. I realized that I needed to put something together that would. Like give people daily motivation, engagement and encouragement to remind them to check in with their body and slowly build these healthy habits, including nervous system regulation habits that were going to allow them to heal their gut faster. So they could actually break free of that chronic bloating and gut issues and those restrictive diets and get their life back. So something that I decided to add into my existing course, the Fix Your Gut Formula, before I make a special announcement, um, kind of going back to my signature program, Fix Your Gut Formula, originally started out as, you know, okay, a step-by-step guide to healing your gut by focusing on the four R's of gut healing, uh, very specific changes we make with diet and supplements, and some lifestyle things like sleep and stress um, to help you you know, balance out your gut, especially your gut microbiome. But I realized the longer I worked with people that I needed to start adding more to that, that program. So I started adding more videos and content on the mind body connection, including mindset, mental health, and other nervous system practices like deep breathing and yoga, because I realized that to truly heal your gut, you have to find balance and not just balance with, you know, the things you're eating, but with your mind and your body and kind of learning to tune into and listen to and honor your body's needs. So you can really shift out of that survival mode and into a healing state. So when I had these practices in there, I noticed that people were getting a lot more out of the program. And so the whole point of that program was to really inspire people to make these long-term sustainable changes, not just with their diet and specific supplements, but changing certain things about their lifestyle that allowed them to heal faster and get off the restrictive diets and finally get rid of bloating. So fast track another year or so, and I'm realizing that while this course, The Fixer Gut Formula has been really helpful for a lot of my clients, a lot of them will purchase it and then they just don't end up using it. And that's because, um, you know, you have the best intentions, you want to eat better, you want to heal your gut, but life happens sometimes and you're doing well and maybe you quote unquote fall off the wagon or you just forget about the course, you don't have time or you're feeling too stressed. You have the best intentions, but you just don't get around to it. And I see this all the time with my clients. They're doing so well and then something happens, you know, a loved one gets sick or they get sick and they kind of fall off the wagon and then they get stuck in this vicious cycle of they're not sleeping well, they have more anxiety. They're craving more carbs. They're just not doing the things and they're more tired and they're not cooking. They're not doing the things that are foundational habits to keep them moving forward with their gut healing and so their gut symptoms come back or they worsen and they start to blame the food but really there's so much more going on as to why they're reaching for these comfort foods so i realized in working with people that we need something that's more than just a course we need an app because apps are what we use day to day that keep us engaged right they send us notifications they're prompting us to check in and see what the latest updates are it's prompting us to like learn and log in and use these modules and these resources that are there for us so that's when i realized i needed to build an app and i am putting together the fix your gut app it's going to be coming out 2024 and so i wanted to share with you a very exclusive promotion if you purchase the fix your gut formula my signature program before february 10th you will get free access to the new fix your gut app once it is launched in 2024 Stay tuned for the date and I have some really exciting new features. So yes, you get all of the features of the course inside the app, but you also get symptom tracking discussion boards and a chance to do one on one messaging coaching with myself. But the most exciting thing is my friend Linda Steludi is going to be joining me and she is a gut centered hypnotherapist. I know that sounds a little woo-woo, but if you research gut-centered hypnotherapy, um, and there's certain apps that are already out there that are focused on this, because there is so much clinical evidence, and proof that it helps by helping to regulate the gut-brain connection. It's very, very effective. So I'm really excited for her to be putting some gut-centered hypnotherapy um, lessons on there, but we're also going to be adding some daily affirmations and other amazing tools from Linda as well. So a reminder that if you do purchase a Fix Your Gut Formula before February 10th, you will get free access to the app when it launches, and I'm really, really excited for you to check it out. So I put together my signature program, the Fix Your Gut Formula, and it's all about eating more variety of foods, not less. So you're going to be able to heal without a restrictive diet. You're going to be able to enjoy food freedom with the recipe collections that I give you and the eating guidelines that allow you to enjoy your favorite foods and all kinds of delicious recipes, including desserts that uh, help you feel like you can enjoy food again. It's all about taking the right supplements at the right time. No more taking endless products, you know, 16 different pills a day, trying random supplements from the health food store. The Fixer Gut Formula includes supplement protocols that are specific to where you're at, including professional products that are curated for your needs. It includes a community of support, a group of over 200 women that get what you're going through. It can be so isolating to feel like you're the only one who's struggling with constipation, and bloating, and brain fog, and nobody around you gets it. They just don't understand how much it impacts your life. But these women do, and we are here to support you. We also talk a lot about the mind-body connection, including specific practices. And there's a video library of practices and videos, including new yoga and meditation videos, to help you learn how to shift into a healing state for faster results on your gut healing journey. You're gonna learn more about the mind-body connection and how your gut impacts your mental wellness and your brain function. And we're gonna dive into common mindset traps and how you can shift your mindset to allow yourself to heal even faster. So the Fix Your Gut Formula is really a comprehensive program That allows you to understand both why you have gut issues, what to do about it, how to manage a flare, and the specific steps that you can take to help you enjoy more foods without having gas, bloating, and just feel yourself again. I've designed this program to include the crucial missing link that so many practitioners and programs miss, the mind-body connection and the important regulating of your nervous system. So if you're ready to take charge of your health, get your body back, stop fearing food, and feel confident and sexy in your skin, then it's time to join us inside the Fix Your Gut formula. Take advantage of our New Year's sale, 25% off, but only until January 13th. Link is in the show notes. The next cause of bloating would be digestive insufficiency. So we already touched on this in the previous segment in terms of not having enough stomach acid. So that's a really common issue. And a lot of people, unfortunately, are put on antacids when they have things like heartburn and left on them for years or decades. We need that stomach acid. And ironically, one of the causes of heartburn is low stomach acid because that acid is the trigger for the sphincter or the flap between your stomach and your esophagus to stay closed and stay tight. Without that acid, you're more likely to experience this... um, I guess it's a silent reflux when you're on these medications. You'll still feel the sensation of food coming up without the burning because the acid is not there to trigger that flap to stay closed. So we get bloating when we're low in acid, we're low in bile, or we're low in digestive enzymes. And these are all very common with chronic stress, um, with medications, obviously, um, especially for women that are midlife. Um, having issues with their gallbladder and with bile production its very common. And common issues here that could cause that would be um, if you've ever done rapid weight loss. That can trigger issues with um, potential gallstones and bladder, or bile issues. If you've ever been on birth control, especially if it was for a number of years or decades. And having something called SIBO or small intestine bacterial overgrowth having that overgrowth actually can cause issues with your gallbladder and bile production. So I'll back up here and just explain that bile is a substance produced by your liver, stored in your gallbladder, and excreted into your small intestine for digestion. And it actually helps to emulsify or break down and digest fats. So a lot of people with gallbladder issues have trouble with fats, but importantly, it also acts as a protective or preventative mechanism to prevent you from having this bacterial overgrowth. So it kind of keeps things nice and sterile in your small intestine the way it's supposed to be. So when we have low bile production or your gallbladder is not functioning properly and can't squeeze out the bile because it's become thick and sludgy um, from a number of causes, we talked about you know birth control or having that bacterial overgrowth there, um, that's going to cause issues not only with fat digestion and absorption but also perpetuate this bacterial overgrowth and again once you have that imbalance that bacterial overgrowth or imbalance you're going to have more bloating right you're fermenting more of those foods and causing more bloating. Okay so then we're going to turn to food sensitivities and leaky gut. Very very common increasingly common However, I think a lot of people often, you know, kind of self-diagnose that they have a food sensitivity because they're reacting to certain foods. I want to hammer this home. Just because you're reacting to a certain food doesn't mean you have a food sensitivity. It could mean many things. It could mean you're stressed and your digestion has shut down. And more often it could mean that you just simply don't have the digestive power to break that food down and it's causing indigestion like we talked about. So low stomach acid, low enzymes, low bile. And we can rectify those things when you work with a practitioner. So don't automatically assume it's a sensitivity. However, if you do get a lot of pain um, maybe you get constipated and just a lot of like, inflammation in the body. Maybe you get stuffy and, and brain fog and all these things when you eat in certain foods. These are more likely signs that you might have a sensitivity um, and or diarrhea. So either constipation or diarrhea, depending on how which way your body tends to go. Food sensitivities, um, most common ones being dairy and gluten, the only way to know for sure is to work with a practitioner. I don't really recommend testing. I usually do more of an elimination diet to see how the person reacts. However, I have to op- work on optimizing their digestion first. Like I said, with the acids and the enzymes in the bile, because if we don't optimize that, we don't know if the reaction is happening because there's not enough digestive power or if it's happening because it's a true food sensitivity. Now, the other thing to understand here, which is where things get murky is We can get food sensitivities from a number of things. One of the most common ways is leaky gut. Leaky gut is caused by many things as well. So um, medications, especially long-term use of medications that are harsh on the gut, like painkillers, things like Advil or prescription uh, painkillers, things that are used for arthritis and whatnot. Um, It can also be caused by constipation and that fermenting of the foods, lots of bad bacteria just... Building and or having the sheer fact that you have that bad or inflammatory bacteria lingering there will cause leaky gut. And what leaky gut actually is, is when your gut cells, which are normally nice and healthy and tight together, start to become like there's gaps between them, right? So things that wouldn't normally leak into your bloodstream are getting into your bloodstream. So that means particles of food and things like bacteria from your intestines, So your immune system then mounts a response saying, what the heck is this? This shouldn't be here and starts to flag it as an invader. And that's how you develop a sensitivity. So in order to prevent and or heal leaky gut, we have to optimize gut health. We have to make sure the microbiome is balanced. We've got lots of healthy bacteria. We're eating lots of fiber. We're pooping regularly. And especially important that we're limiting things that can cause inflammation in the gut. So like those medications we talked about, like painkillers. Um, and so if you're taking things like Advil all the time for headaches or period pain, that's going to contribute to leaky gut. Drinking a lot of like over excessive caffeine, excessive alcohol. These things in moderation are usually okay, especially if you have food in your stomach, but excessive intake can definitely contribute to leaky gut. Now, the other thing I want to mention here in terms of food sensitivities. Um, so obviously with the sensitivity, it's causing enough inflammation in the gut and potentially constipation, that's showing up as bloating, right? So a lot of people are gonna experience that when they eat something that they're sensitive to. And the other factor here that you need to understand is if you're someone who has a lot of seasonal or outdoor allergies, you may notice that you have more reactions to food and potentially more bloating in the summer months when you're exposed to those allergens. So obviously if you're breathing that in, that's going to trigger some inflammation in your GI tract, which starts all the way in your mouth and your sinuses are connected to your mouth and your throat, right? So if you're breathing things in, it's going into your throat and your mouth, getting swallowed and ending up in your stomach and intestines. And it's really common uh, for people that have pretty bad allergies to start having more reactions to food in these months because their histamine levels from the outdoor allergies are already so high. On top of that, there's something called cross reactivity where if you're allergic to a certain pollen you're more likely reacting to a certain food as well. So you can look these up online but one example would be stevia. So if you are allergic to ragweed stevia is in the ragweed family so you might want to think about avoiding stevia. If it doesn't seem to be an issue for you that's totally fine but if you feel like you're reacting to foods that have stevia and you do have a ragweed allergy something to consider. Okay so the final thing here that I really want to make clear is you might be saying oh I'm so bloated all the time but it very much could just be constipation. Keep in mind that constipation is if you're going less than once a day even if you go once a day but you feel it's an incomplete stool and you feel like you need to go more but you can't this is constipation and no matter what You know, even if that's normal for you or someone else tells you that's normal, it's not healthy for the body and it's going to be one of the reasons that you look bloated. It's not actually bloating at that point. It's sheer constipation, right? You're literally full of poop and you need to be going more regularly and that's why you look bloated, but it's not actual bloating. So if you're having issues with any of these and you really want to, you know, fast track your healing and not spend a lot of time googling and stressing and trying random supplements and actually feel better and get rid of your bloating faster, highly recommend you book a session with me and we can discuss strategies and potential reasons why you have chronic bloating. Let's dive into three reasons why your hormones could be causing your bloating. Now, I will preface this by saying i am not an expert in hormone health however when i work with clients on their gut health their hormones often get better and i'll explain why um, in a moment but there's three things that happen with hormones that can contribute to bloating so instead of fixating on the fact that oh my god you know it must be this food i ate or it must be i have a new food sensitivity or maybe i'm low in stomach acid It very much could be your hormones especially if your bloating is cyclical or it's a new thing for you and you've just entered menopause or you've just started hormone therapy or something of the like. So first of all we're going to talk briefly about estrogen dominance. Estrogen dominance is very common. It's basically when your levels of estrogen relative to progesterone are high so it doesn't mean necessarily that your estrogen is too high or out of the reference range but rather your estrogen relative to your progesterone that ratio is off meaning that oftentimes it's your estrogen is normal but your progesterone is extremely low and that is very common due to things like burnout and stress and there's other factors as well but just knowing that Um, If you have a lot of premenstrual uh, symptoms, mood changes, bloating, breast tenderness, um, fatigue, headaches, these are all things that are um, estrogen dominant symptoms and especially if you get a lot of cramping and really heavy painful periods. So we can help that by working on the gut and here's why. The gut and hormones are intimately connected. One of the ways is through your gut bacteria. So if you have an imbalance of gut bacteria, which we call dysbiosis, so not enough good guys, too much bad guys, they actually produce an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. And when your body, so basically your liver monitors things and says, okay, we've got too much estrogen here. We're going to, you know, pack it up and send it to the gut for excretion. We're going to detox it. But when it gets to the gut, if there's too much bad bacteria there and they're making this enzyme, it's going to force your body to reabsorb and recycle that estrogen. So now it's climbing higher and higher and more likely to cause things like bloating. So excess estrogen can cause bloating. Whereas if you had a healthier balanced microbiome, it's easier for your body to excrete that excess estrogen and find a balance with the hormones. The second thing here is we talked about bile earlier in this episode. So bile is important not only for digestion of fats and keeping your bacteria under control, but also to detox excess estrogen. So it's kind of the third phase of detox in your liver. And when your body's ready to detox excess estrogen, it needs bile to do that. So if you're not producing enough bile or your gallbladder can't excrete it because it's all thick and sludgy or whatever reason, especially those of you who have taken birth control or you have something like SIBO or this bacterial overgrowth in your small intestine, you're less likely to have the bile that's needed to detox estrogen and more likely to have this estrogen dominance. So excess estrogen sticking around is going to be more bloating. The next thing here is if you are someone who is in menopause and you've decided to try hormone replacement therapy, obviously that is estrogen. So estrogen, um, especially if not taken alongside progesterone when needed, uh, can cause more bloating, right? So this is why or one of the reasons why bloating is so much more common in um, perimenopause and menopause in women because um, there's a huge intricate connection between bloating and estrogen levels. Now the other thing we have to think about here is it may not be gut bloating but actually vaginal or not vaginal but pelvic bloating pelvic inflammation that makes you look bloated. So if you have cyclical bloating and it's very low and you're finding that you also maybe have some pelvic pain that could be more likely that it's actually the pelvic inflammation that's making you look bloated. So it's not a true gut bloating. And that is very normal and common with women when they are premenstrual. We produce these things called prostaglandins and they're inflammatory and they're needed to help your body shed your uterine lining and have your bleed, have your period. So that's normal to have more bloating at that phase of your cycle cycle excuse me because prostaglandins are being released and triggering inflammation so it's just kind of you have to expect a little bit of bloating at that time of your cycle it's just going to happen because that is a natural way that our bodies work the final thing here is vaginal dysbiosis so if you are someone who struggles with um feeling like you're getting a yeast infection you're getting itchy it'd be some like different discharge or scents um coming from your vagina um especially in uh, when you're premenstrual or when you're in like perimenopause and menopause, know that estrogen keeps um, your vagina environment or your um, uterus acidic. We need it to stay fairly acidic because that promotes the growth of healthy bacteria in there like lactobacillus species. Those are one of the most common species in there. And they need an acidic environment to survive to keep things healthy and balanced. So when the pH shifts and those bacteria cannot survive, it's more easy to have other bacteria take over and or yeast. So it's becoming more basic environment when the estrogen drops premenstrually and also in menopause. And you're more likely to develop things like bacterial vaginosis or BV as well as yeast infections. And so these pH changes and having these bacterial imbalances and inflammation in there due to that imbalance is going to cause bloating as well. But there are many things you can do for that. So obviously you can look at working on your hormones, but also you can um, get things over the counter from the drugstore, from a health food store. There are suppository probiotics that you can put in at bedtime um, that go in vaginally and actually help to obviously you're putting in the healthy bacteria like lactobacillus species and it's gonna keep things balanced. It's creating more acidic environment because these bacteria actually create acid and it's gonna keep things healthier in there and make you less bloated. Some people that struggle with constipation premenstrually also find that using these vaginal probiotics actually helps with constipation too, because keep that in mind that everything there is very close and connected, right? So if you have an imbalance in your gut, it's going to impact your vagina and your uterus and that whole pelvic area and vice versa. So when you, you know, balance the bacteria in one area, it's going to impact the other. And that's why women that have a lot of gut bacteria imbalances in their lower gut tend to be more prone to things like BV and yeast infections. I also wanted to mention that... We often fixate on the foods we are eating that are causing bloating. Or maybe now that you know about bacteria, you may be fixating on your gut bacteria triggering bloating. But it's also not what we eat, but how we eat. So are you rushing around all day and then you scarf down your food super fast while you're reading emails or scrolling your phone? And then you're off to an appointment and you're having a snack in the car? Right? If you're constantly eating on the go and you're eating while you're in your nervous system is in that stress state. Like I said, your digestion is shut down. You're also probably not chewing enough. So not only is your digestion shut down, you're not producing stomach acid. Your nervous system is sending signals for your brain to your gut to say, "Hey, shut it down. We got to survive here. There's no need for digestion right now." And yeah, like I said, you're probably not chewing enough because you're rushing trying to get the food down and you're not focused on what you're doing. So you're either driving or you're reading something or you're working, whatever you're doing. I challenge you to take at least 10 to 15 minutes for every meal. And I'd hope that you're eating three meals a day and sometimes snacks. So I challenge you to take. At least 10 to 15 minutes with no distractions to fully engage in what you're eating to eat slowly to thoroughly and that actually helps you feel full faster and have less cravings because it allows your brain time to get the signals like hey i'm really enjoying this this is really satisfying and you feel more satisfied and less likely to reach for something extra afterwards like a treat So that is another huge thing that I see people doing too often and you know they might be eating really healthy foods or even a low FODMAP diet and they're still getting bloating and so that we have to really look at what is your lifestyle like and how are you eating not just what are you eating. The final thing I want to throw in here is anything that obviously um, contains gas is going to make you bloated. So um, carbonated drinks being the number one thing. Right, and while on that topic, if you're drinking pop, not only is the carbonation you're putting that air and that gas into your system, of course, it's going to trigger bloating. But also, if you're having something like pop, the sugar content in that is feeding the bad bacteria and other microbes that are going to trigger more gas, more bloating, more IBS type symptoms. Okay, so we really want to look at. Yes, having treats in moderation but really keeping that sugar content down as low as possible ideally no more than 25 grams of added sugar per day and that doesn't include fruit so that gives you enough for a little treat here and there but if you're guzzling back cans of pop all day you're getting way too much sugar like one can of pop i believe is about 35 to 40 grams of sugar so just knowing that carbonation will make you bloated. Even if it's those low sugar or no sugar carbonated waters, that's gonna cause bloating. And also doing things like drinking through a straw or slurping at things. That is putting more air into your system and it's gonna cause bloating. So what can we do about bloating? Obviously, as I mentioned, working with a practitioner is always best. It's not a good idea to just start cutting out foods that are trigger foods for you because, like I mentioned, these are usually foods that are super healthy and very high in fiber. And ironically, even though those are the foods causing issues for you, those are actually the foods that your gut needs to stay healthy. So just because you don't have bloating or symptoms when you cut these foods out Doesn't mean that things are healed. It means that you're under, you're doing symptom management, but you're actually creating silent inflammation long term because you're starving the healthy bacteria of the fiber and the nutrients that they need to survive. And so while you may feel better symptom-wise, you're actually promoting the growth of more unhealthy bacteria and starving the healthy bacteria. So that's gonna cause more issues long term. But there are a few other things that you can do to help with bloating at home. outside of working with a practitioner like myself. You can use carminative herbs. So these are herbs that help to expel gas and also calm the gut and they're kind of anti-spasmodic. So if you're having a lot of pain, bloating, gas and indigestion, wonderful herbs to try would be peppermint. So peppermint and peppermint tea. Um, as well as there are peppermint capsules you can get as well. But I will say that if you struggle with heartburn, be cautious with peppermint, as it can make heartburn worse. Other carminative herbs include things like chamomile, um, as well as things like oregano, thyme, and sage, and all of the herbs. So fresh herbs are a great option there. And chamomile, tea. The other things you could try, which I highly recommend working with a practitioner before starting any of these, but things that are often um, an issue for people with bloating is, as I mentioned, low stomach acid, low enzymes, all of these things that increase our digestive power, right? So if you're lacking those, you could try something like a digestive bitters before a meal that actually stimulates your production of saliva and stomach acid and bile. You could also try a digestive enzyme. So that just gives you extra enzymes. Some of them also have acid in there to help you break down and digest your food better. So it's not just sitting there fermenting and causing bloating and discomfort. So Those are my top tips to help deal with bloating outside of working with a practitioner. You may have heard of the low FODMAP diet, which I did mention briefly in this episode. Again, I don't recommend putting yourself on that. They... It was designed to be used short term up to six months and you may find that if you do try it, your bloating goes down and that's where it's tricky because people are more likely to stay on it if they're feeling good, right? Yes, it's a difficult diet to go on. It's quite restrictive, but if you're feeling good, it really motivates you to continue. However, doing that, like I said, it's going to be causing a lot of nutrient deficiencies and you're starving your healthy bacteria. It's going to create more problems down the road. So if you're finding that low FODMAP diet, um, you know, you've tried it and it seems to be working for you, that's an indication that you probably do have a gut bacteria imbalance going on and you need to work with a practitioner like myself to get that under control so that eventually you can bring those foods back in with no problem. And we all want that, right? We want food freedom. That's the goal, to be able to stop fearing food and eat what you want without worrying about what side effects it's going to cause. So that's it for this episode. I hope you guys found this helpful and I look forward to connecting with you inside my group. If you want to learn more about how you can work with me one-on-one, head to the link in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Hey, if you have 30 seconds to spare, if you could leave me a rating and review in your podcast app, I would greatly appreciate it. It helps women just like you discover my podcast and start their own healing journey. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.